Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off, you know what I'm going to say. We need you to click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee and maybe a scone once a month and help us keep this show on the road. And you get piles and piles of extras, including our exclusive interview with the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, which is out there right now. It's one of 1,300 podcasts, all available plea-free in one consolidated podcast feed. You never miss an episode, whether it be Echo, Reboot, Glow West, and our regular Sunday shows. There's no long-term contract, so maybe just try it for a month, see what you think, and if you don't like it, cancel it. Rory always says it's more than a podcast, it's activism. Think of this as the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. That couple of quid that you you give us helps us have those conversations and keep this space open for topics and subjects that deserve that bit more time that you can get on a podcast without rushing to news, traffic and travel. So one more time, click the link, patreon.com forward slash tortoise Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and I'm joined in the podcast today by nurses from the Irish Nurses and Midwife Organization. And we're going to talk about the housing and health crisis and how they're intersecting and overlapping. And I'm talking to nurses about how they're affected by the huge rents, with some of them paying three quarters of their salaries on rent, and the huge personal stress of this, but also how it's impacting on the health system, how hospitals are unable to recruit staff due to the lack of housing, and then also how it's impacting on their patients, the impact of stress, substandard housing, and homelessness on health. I recorded the podcast at the Irish Nurses and Midwife Organization annual conference down in Killarney, at which I spoke at, and it was really um, a quite, I was really struck at it by the extent to which nurses are really affected by this and how it is affecting the health system. And they're affected by it personally, but also by their patients as well, and how these two housing and health emergencies impact and intertwine with each other. Um, and so it really is um fascinating to hear their experiences and really important as well and we start I start by talking to Phil Nihay who is the general secretary of the INMO and then we talk with um, nurses including Jamie Murphy who's a nurse in Tala and also um, representative of the representatives of the Indian nurses organizations about the experience of nurses coming from abroad um, the huge issues around accommodation but also those who want to stay here um, and make it their home, but are the challenges they face as well. Um, and it once again shows the need to address these these twin crises of housing and health and how fundamental they are. And of course, without housing, you can't uh, have proper you know, health. And without, um, and housing has a major impact on health. And of course, we need uh, proper public health systems and public housing. So listen, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, just a note on two events coming up. The uh, Cork Raise the Roof are organizing a demonstration on Saturday, the 10th of June at 12.30 at Connolly Hall. So that should be great. Our 
own um, Martin Leahy of this um, podcast, who has been on a number of times, is speaking. Um, so that should be a really, um, really good event and really important to see that protest um, taking place in Cork. And the other event is um, the anti-eviction protest taking place on the 2nd of June, um, Friday the 2nd of June, and that is over the Tathany House evictions. Again, James, um, who we had, James O'Toole, who we had on here before as well, um, talking about that. So that's on the 2nd of June at Tathany House. If you can get along to them, please do spread the word, support it. And thank you so much as uh, everyone for being patrons, for being listeners, spread the podcast around. Um, and listen, I hope you enjoy the podcast. So I'm here in uh, Kerry and the Glen Eagle Hotel at the INMO um, Annual Conference. And I'm joined by Philney Hay, who is the General Secretary of the INMO, and also by nurses from across the country who are living the housing crisis or are very much um, aware of it. And we're going to talk about nursing and in terms of how the housing crisis is affecting nurses and also in terms of potential um, expansion of health services we've seen in the news, the children's hospital um, not being able to recruit nurses, but the whole issue of how this is actually affecting um, the nursing profession in terms of immigration, the future, and how real we heard during the conference a number of nurses speak about their situation, one nurse in particular talking about spending three quarters of her salary on rent um, and the very, very real pressures and stress it causes on top of an extremely stressful and valuable job. Um, and the question is, why can we not uh, provide housing for our essential workers of nurses? And we have to do it. So here to um, join me, as I said, I'm going to start, hand over to Philney Hay, who's just going to outline what is the issue facing nurses and from the INMO's perspective, what do they think should be done? Thanks very much, Rory, and and um, nice to have you joining us here in Killarney. I think the um, essential elements of um, housing for for our members are, are split into three main categories. The first is the uh, affordability, because they're not well-paid workers, and those that are renting have extremely... Um, high rents to pay, particularly in all of our larger cities and urban centres. And the difficulty they have is when you're working as a nurse, you have to work a shift, you have to work nights. Many nurses are on call, for example, if they work in theatre, if they work in renal dialysis and services like that. So they have to be very close to where they work in order to be available and on time when the emergency arrives. So it isn't an option to commute for some. In in essence, I think what, what we've noticed over the last number of years is that our conferences particularly, the issue of housing and the issue of affordability is coming up more and more often. And many nurses are deciding that in order to have that life that they want, which is to be able to pay a mortgage comfortably and then to have children and to be able to pay for childcare, they're not ever going to be able to do that in Ireland. They've decided that. So they've made decisions to immigrate. We then have a group of nurses that you'll hear from later who we recruit to this country from non-EU countries particularly, from India, from the Philippines and from Africa. But we don't tell them before they get here that we have a housing crisis. We have a visa situation in this country for essential workers where they are allowed because of the absolute necessity of their skills that they bring, that they can repatriate their families to this country 
and their families can work. Unfortunately, you can't repatriate the family of your original home in somebody else's house. It just simply doesn't work. So we now have a situation in 2023 where women are leaving their children at home to be raised by others while they help out in the Irish Public Health Service and the Irish Private Health Service and we're not providing them with the ability to bring their children here to live with them. We fundamentally think that, that is an absolute scandal because we saw that in Ireland when our, when our men went to England to work. Many families were separated for many years but we never saw it where mothers had to leave their children and we're actually doing that in Ireland. <laughs> One, two, three, one, two, three, yep. Okay, I'm nearly finished. Um, a lot of Irish nurses are, um, as I said, have decided to immigrate. And largely uh, that is because of the cost of accommodation, the cost of getting enough together to, to get a deposit, but even having the hope that you'll ever be able to own your own home. And then the final group are our nurses uh, and midwives who are working with families that they are discharging into homelessness. And they find this to be extraordinarily difficult. So when you look after a, a lady or a, or a woman who's had a, a baby and you're discharging them into homelessness, it goes against all of your training, all of your good education that you provide to a person on discharge. Likewise for our, for our children's nurses who have to do the same. Discharging children into situations that are unknown, unsafe, is just against every part of the, the training that's ingrained for a good discharge protocol. So our members are raising all of these issues. They're raising issues on their own behalf. They're raising issues on behalf of their migrant colleagues. And they're raising issues on behalf of their patients. Right. So um, my next guest now is Vargesa Joy, who is from the Migrant Nurses Ireland Group. Vargesa, do you want to outline in terms of your, uh, from your perspective, the housing issue? Thanks, Rory. Yeah, uh, migrant nurses faces uh, the same issue as much as any uh, Irish uh, nurse or any, anyone here. But when it comes to migrant nurses, the impact is much deeper, that they have no family support, they have no friends to consult, you know. So that uh, that makes it very difficult for them. And I agree with what Phil said, that, you know, they are told, they are not told the, about the housing crisis, the phenomenal rent or housing price here. Now, that make it very difficult for them. And when they're here, you know, they, they, they have left, left with no option to spend all their salary on housing. So the, so that, that is a main issue here. So we have been receiving a lot of emails, you know, among the complaints we receive or the issues we receive, yeah. most of them are related to looking for houses. So we help them. We try to do as much as we can. So in a nutshell, that is a huge, huge issue here. Yeah. And do you think that it's actually going to stop nurses coming from abroad into Ireland? I, yeah, I, I have a fear that it, it is going to happen because the message is going out to back to people in India, you know, from here, peer group, you know, they, they pass a message. This is very difficult here and they have other options like Australia, Canada and so on. So that's going to affect the recruitment process. Yeah. And in terms of the issues, are you coming across issues as well of, you know, issues with landlords or trying to, you know, issues of potentially homelessness or eviction or, you know, those sort of issues? Yeah, we have that. You know, we have uh, recently, not many, uh, few nurses, we heard that, you know, they're facing eviction, you know, but uh, and the issue with the landlord, again, they are not aware about their rights as tenants. 
and they they don't know who to approach even the tenancy board and so on so they are um, exploited much more than a, a local nurse here and how does that make nurses feel in terms of you know they're putting so much effort into their work and everything you know it, it takes so it demands so much and yet then they can't get a basic thing of a home yeah no, you, you give them a you know to be honest and uh, 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 not a factual uh, or not it doesn't give a real feel about ireland you know ireland used to be very uh, nice country to live in and and uh, there was a lot of facilities but this one give a bad reflection yeah yeah well listen thanks so much fargesa that's yeah. great um we're going to go to um jibin next um and jibin maybe just want to say where, where you're working Thanks, Rory. Um, I work in Cork University Hospital. I also represent the overseas nurses section of INMO. Yeah, and in terms of then the housing crisis um, and nurses. Yeah, yes, Rory. I would like to start with why. Why did I come into Ireland? That's my first thinking always about it. Because yeah. I, I, I am an Indian citizen. I live in Ireland for twenty, thirty years. My friends are there. My family is there. All my relatives are there. I allowed my country. I allowed everything in there. But still, uh, thinking of a better future, a quality of life, improved standards, and also financial stability, and also to support my family back in India. That is the reason why I came into Ireland. And I, I didn't come into just for stay for a little while. I came into stay forever in Ireland. And this is my second country. I mean, second home now. But I don't have an actual home in this home now. That's the problem here, because. Um, I'm I'm renting at the moment, and it was very hard for me to find a house in Ireland. And at the moment, I'm paying I'm paying a lot of money towards the rent. So if if you look into my salary, or if you look into my monthly budget, the majority or more than half of the amount is going towards the rent of the house, and the rest of the money I have to support my family in here. I have to support the, my family back in India. How much I can save? To be honest, I can't save anything at all. And if I can't save anything at all in the first few years, how can I buy a home or a house later on stage? I'm here for five, six years now, and I can't save a penny. And how I'm going to buy a house in Ireland? It's nearly impossible, and that's one of the major concerns at the moment for me. And looking for the other nurses also who are new, who are coming uh, from India into Ireland at the moment, lot of issues for them as well because I'm from Cork, and the new nurses in Cork they can't find any shared accommodation anywhere near to the hospital. And we all know about the public transportation system in Cork. It is not very well established as well. So they are given uh, houses in the periphery of the Cork city at the moment. And after the work, if they finish at eight, there is it's very hard to find a bus to their accommodation. They have to go to city and find a bus from there to their uh, place. It nearly takes an hour or one and a half hour to reach home. So if they finish their shift at half eight, they don't reach home at before ten. And if they have to reach hospital at seven thirty in the morning, they have to leave at six. From home, an extra three hours plus a twelve hours working shift. That's really hard for them, and you don't expect them to drive straight away when they come from India into or some other countries into Ireland. They need the license. They don't know the road. They need to learn about that. So, and they need to buy a car and the insurance. It's not easy to straight away start driving in this country, and especially when their family comes as well. And it's not easy for them to buy two cars and two insurance and afford those things. So, that's really a major issue, and. And looking into the future of the hospitals in Ireland, that's also an issue because I get a lot of calls from India and uh, um, friends or non-persons. They ask about the facilities to live in Ireland at the moment. So they ask, uh, "Do we get a house in Ireland to live? How is the rent?" I can't really say it's okay. You you will get a house because I'm not sure. 
I'm not at all sure like are they going to get a house in three months, four months, six months in a year. I can't say they will get a house in six months. So I say, look, it's hard. So I don't know what is your choice. So obviously they look for a second option. So initially they were looking for Limerick, Galway instead of Cork and Dublin. And that's also not an option at the moment. Look to the neighbor country. That's what they are doing now. It's the same way they can come into Ireland. They can go into uh, UK. So better look UK. That's what they are doing now. So that's, that's nearly going to stop their, I don't say stop, but affect the recruitment process into the Ireland. I would say in the, in the future, the hospitals or the HSC will have to look for a permanent solution for these issues. So that's what I have to say about it. Thanks, Rory. Thank you so much. That's really good um, and really interesting. Thank you so much for giving your time. And next we have Janet Baby Joseph, which is a fantastic name. Um, and not Baby Jesus, Baby Joseph. Janet, where does Baby Joseph come from as a name? So traditionally we follow our father's name as a surname. So my dad is Baby Joseph. And that's why my name is Janet Baby Joseph. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, Janet, maybe you tell us, um, you know, what hospital you're in, what area you're working in. And then, you know, for you, the housing issues that you're seeing or experiencing. Yes. So myself, I work as a midwife in Cork University Maternity Hospital and I represent Cork Indian Nurses Association here on the day. So uh, myself, I came to Ireland as a nurse working in a nursing home in 2016 I met a lad who was appointed to the same nursing home while I was in the airport. So we landed to the same airport in Dublin. We travelled over to a county in Cork, I mean a country area in Cork, yeah. to the nursing home. We were given a one-bedroom house for both of us. We never knew each other unless we were seen in the airport. Yeah. So we were asked to share the same bed. Uh, the, and, you know, it was something which I couldn't accept at that stage of my life. You're the same bed? Yeah, because there was only one bed. There was only one bed and that was one bedroom house. Well, uh, see, I, that's what I wouldn't blame the agency or the nursing home because they never knew anything about us. And they were really asked to provide two houses and the agent provide one house, assuming that we are partners. Hey. Yeah. So then I had to explain and uh, this is my situation and I can be doing it. Uh, well, well, the lad, he was good enough. So he moved to one of our colleagues' house. And then until I got a separate place. Okay. Yeah. But then, you know, because it was in 2016, it was not that difficult yeah. for me to get a house. Yeah. I got a house. I could bring my family. We got settled. And that was fine. Yeah. But then later on, I could see my friends who were coming over here, especially as I said, I represent Cork Indianers Association. And we have three WhatsApp groups, which include more than 700 plus members in it. Yeah. And that there are nurses working only in Cork. And we have more members who have not been joined with the group yet. Every single day, I can see at least five requests looking for accommodation in the group early in the morning when I open my phone. They're all looking for accommodation. There are families sharing houses, like a family consisting of four members, the mother, father, and two kids, another mother, father, and two kids inside in one house, sharing maybe one toilet, one bathroom. It is absolutely a disgrace. That's unreal. And on top of it, we have families coming from other countries like GCC countries, the Gulf countries who had been working there for 20, 25 years. And just because of the education facilities are different here and the lifestyle is different here, they move over to Ireland and they don't find an accommodation. And they're forced to go back because they don't find an accommodation. 
And there are also people who are moving to Australia and Canada and other countries because they don't find an accommodation here. And that has become a business now for many of the recruiting agencies. So they've initially, they might have recruited Indian nurses over to Ireland. And now from the current situation, they're recruiting these Indian nurses over to other countries. Yes. (laughs) And the point of business is they don't have housing facilities here. So we can offer you a better place. So those same recruitment agencies are now saying we can offer you better conditions in Canada or America or... Because the recruiting agencies do it for Ireland. At the same time, they do it for Australia and Canada. So if the client wants something different, they're happy to do it because they will be charged for it, obviously. And like just imagining the recruitment process that happens for Ireland, it is a long process, including the interview, all the documentation process. And once they come up here, either they go for an adaptation program, which is from six to 12 weeks time, or else it's an aptitude test, which the RCSI conducts. And that is, again, money consuming there. And after all this hassle, when they come up here, the process that's given for it, and then if they don't find an accommodation, maybe say in three months' time, six months' time, they're leaving the country. Yeah. So that actually is not really good. When we welcome people over from other countries, we should have the facility to accommodate them. Absolutely. And, and what do you see the impact on the actual you know, the understaffing, like, do you see it, you know, clearly if if nurses can't find accommodation and they're going back, you're not being able to fill positions or what's the impact on the health service? So that's what we are here sitting in Killarney talking about safe staffing. So where does safe staffing come from? We need enough number of staffs for safe staffing. If we don't have places to accommodate them, to make them happy, they're not going to stay. And then we don't have enough numbers where we don't have safe staffing. And that is impacted. There's an impact on the patient quality care, obviously. Yeah. And that's also, on, there's an impact on the emotional stability of the people, like the, in, the other country nurses who come over. Yeah. They're so stressed. They want their kids to be in a safe place while they're at work, but they can't. And, and that is something that I talked about, um, is that impact of stress on, um, you know, workers like nurses who are in very stressful jobs, then having to be worried and stressed about Exactly, housing. exactly. Yes. I have a colleague of mine who has a small kid. He's The baby is only a year old. Yeah. They live in a house which is damp with carpets and the walls. The baby has a very extreme skin condition. And these uh, the housing conditions are really bad where the baby can't stay with these. They need to move out, but they can't find a place. Uh, and then finally, they decide to buy a house because they can't find a rented place. But then the cost is something they couldn't even imagine. They had been looking all over the place for help so that they could put some money towards it so that they'll move and the baby could sleep peacefully. Yeah, that's incredible. If you, you know, when you think about the impact on, you know, a baby of those, you know, damp conditions of housing, of poor housing, you know, the mold, the damp, and we know it impacts yeah. on yeah. things like skin. Um, the respiratory conditions, the respiratory myself, stuff. yeah, because when I initially came, it was a house which was a damp house with carpets, and I have respiratory allergic conditions. Yeah. I couldn't, I really struggled. It impacted on you? Yes. Yeah. And and, and again, that is, you know, in, in the issue that... 
you people renting and, and as health workers and as healthcare workers, you know that this impact is happening. Exactly. It's very difficult watching, you know, children and even yourself knowing it. And it is, it just shows kind of that connection between health and housing, doesn't it? Exactly. And when while we are at workplace, people are all worried about it. They keep talking about it. No peace of mind, even at workplace, because their mind is always thinking about, now, where, where am I going to find a place and how am I going to afford it? You know, then they keep thinking about it all the time. And that's also going to affect the quality of work, what you do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not able to, and people are stressed, they're tired, they're, you know, as you say, their mind is elsewhere worried about, um, am I going to get an eviction notice? And and in, in terms of, you know, what do you think? We've seen the motion going forward at the conference um, for a specific accommodation for nurses. Is that what you think what needs to be done? I think we need to raise our voices. Unless you ask, you don't get. So we need to collectively talk for it. And sometime it is going to happen. Because for the nurses' payment, we had been striking, we had been talking, talking. And finally, there's something happening. So the same way, if we collectively do something for this, at least a small change would happen. That's what I strongly believe at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's needed. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for, for Thank you for giving today. me an opportunity, Rory. No problem. Thank Thanks you. a million, Janet. And um, now we have Rima Anthony. Um, Rima, just maybe you want to introduce yourself in terms of the area you're working in nursing and the housing issues that you see are impacted by. Hi, um, Rory. I work in Cork University Hospital. I work as a manage in the management sector. So I am in Ireland since 2004. Okay. So it's I, this is my home. And when I did the nursing, my uncle was a priest in Ireland. So he told me, like, this is a lovely country to work. So I came here. Nobody even knew which country is Ireland. Nobody in India didn't know. So I came. It was like a fantastic place. I came in Kilroch. We were looked after so well because our employer had a house for us. So we didn't have any issue at all, like when we when we came in. So no stress. We were like, I, you know, you don't Ireland. I felt like my home. I never felt a homesickness or anything like that. So then I moved in Cork, two thousand six. Got on the housing was issue was not a problem. I know rent was a little bit high compared to where we lived in countryside, but that time it was our booming time. You could do an overtime. You get lots of money. There was no no stress. There's no stress. Now currently, uh, as as I said, I'm working as a manager. There's a lot, you know, the nurses are coming from overseas. They're doing the adaptation process. That's called, takes eight to 12 weeks, minimum eight weeks. And when you come to a new place, first of all, you'll be stressed out because you don't know the system. You have to study, you have to get along in order to get the pin so you can be a registered nurse in Ireland. So that's a big stress for them. And on top of that, now what they're facing, they'll get a house for maybe six weeks when they come, then they have to find a house to leave so they're all like in in their period they're stressed they are looking as janet said in the groups they keep asking people where can i find a house they're all stressed they don't even go for break during the break time they'll be keep calling the agents agencies or looking at the daft to find a house and there's no communication they can't they don't talk to you know in the workplace as a hospital so i work in acute sector it's busy. You don't have a time to talk to each other. It's so busy. You're just stressed out with all the extra work, whatever you have to do it. And, you know, when we are bringing the nurses from other country, they need to get to, used to the Irish system. So this is always, we used to have the privilege when we came, we go for break, we will talk to each other, you know, the Irish people, and we'll get all, get along with the system. We understand the system here. 
here now what they are doing they just go in their restroom they'll keep ringing ringing to find a house yeah. so that's big pressure on them and you know there's a, one girl came in she had she was in the adaptation process she could not settle at all first of all she was stressed with her family home she left very one month old child back home and she stressed she could not focus we put all our effort to you know make her com- feel hum- comfortable no way she went back so this is like as jan said you know the people are spending money to come here they are putting so much effort taking their time to come over the person came eight weeks she she left she could not stay then another example i just want to say just to just put on the emotional side of it yeah um there's a new girl agnes came to, into another hospital in cork and you know they were all looking for the accommodation and she was accommodation for six weeks and then she has to find another place she was pregnant she was heavily preg- pregnant and yeah. she, you know she could not find anything so i had a room so i offer you know she stayed with me and this girl was nearly f- full term pregnant and b- she didn't have a husband here just imagine she's by herself not having any family no just other than just few people like like us um, trying to talk to her so because her husband has to get a visa to come in order to have you know to help her with the delivery that was del- take time so this girl we got she got so got a house but she was it was very far from her workplace so she was not comfortable to leave um in that house she is full term pregnant and you know if something happened to her she doesn't know she has nobody to help her so she stayed with me then unfortunately she lost her baby she was nearly full term and okay somehow we just got her in her husband we we you know through the different uh, um migrant um, nurses um, association and things like that we got visa for the husband he came in within 7 days yeah. came in so that was emotional stress for that family yeah because they had a house they went in the house after two weeks the the landlord said unfortunately she was in the process of selling the house so she, they said you may have to leave soon because i'm selling the house yeah. so just just you know we are talking about different aspect of just ima- emotional side of a a human being just go through all this stress losing her child then then on top of that they have to look for a house so like what is the what is the condition we are living in we are talking we are in a european standard you know yes. we have all this and yeah. we are like i said when i came oh my god this is this is a paradise for me yeah. now the people are going through i you know i don't know it's it's very sad people are leaving in the workplace because i do the interviews regularly exactly. Sta- staff are constantly leaving because as they said we have brought lots of indianers coming every month they're coming they will stay maximum to two years here they're all moving to australia because they have a better opportunity there they have a better housing situation over there now we are keep recruiting 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 and we can't have the nurses here so how are we going to serve the healthcare we are talking about a holistic healthcare system yes. here and we can't have a holistic support for our staff members so it's not go- it's going to affect the whole irish health system and even the patient care and as they said like i mean you know we have to we are all talking about patient flow creating the beds some of the patients live in the condition where they live they have no house one person was he wanted to leave in the hospital because he's ha- so he had a stroke and he was living in a he he's kind of homeless and he has a mobile home with no toilet nothing and he was so happy to stay in the in the hospital because he get a service in the hospital then we are trying to make the patient flow saying that we need to create the bed for the patients who is waiting in ed yes. 
these are the issues which nobody you know i mean we are all talking about it for the same motion i i presented this motion last conference in in a, in a conference and we are still talking about it and it's getting more you know but i'm saying like unless we do something about about this issue we will not have nurses and we will not have a better health system so that's what um yeah i feel yeah and and and, and like if the people are you know they get up in the morning looking in the daft because yeah. they put the alert saying that the so they all looking at it and say oh where can and people are contacting the agencies emailing them they don't get a response at all so they were all like saying one girl was leaving uh, she asked me can i go for 10 20 minutes yeah she's um so like you know the the wards are very busy she said i don't want my break but i need to go and view a house and this girl went to see a house and there was 20 people in the queue to just to see one house so this is the you know it's not only just uh, we are talking about the migrant and the in the perspective of migrant nurses we have no other family we have no nobody else to support us but even irish nurses this one girl told me last week i am resigning i'm going to my her house is in somewhere in kerry countryside she said she cannot afford she's an irish girl living in cork she said i would love to continue working in the specialty she works at the moment but she said she she cannot afford so she is moving back to her home country into a small hospital she's only a new nurse started maybe 2 years experience yeah And so she's moving back to Kerry where because she can't afford the rent because she's going back to stay with her parents because she cannot afford the house. So she's resigning so Cork University yeah. Hospital is yes. losing a nurse yes. who is moving back to Kerry yeah. because they can't afford the yeah. rent. Yeah. So they're moving back home. They're moving parents. up. Yeah. That's all lots of people are doing and they're trying to save their money to to pay to get the mortgage sorted. Yeah. And as transport here people are leaving even the nurses coming here i don't know how far they are living some people are coming driving one hour leaving really out of you know yeah. one person is uh, at least as as jibin said when when you come first place you don't drive you can't have a yeah. car yeah. and no public public transport and especially the places we work now no uh, the car parking a big issue you have to come here by if you if you need to start by 7 that you have to be here by 6 o'clock or 6:15 so it's so much pressure people are feeling it and which is going to affect you know when us when we are not comfortable or when we are stressed about something our work it's going to impact on our work of course it is going yeah. to impact to work and it's also going to make nurses sick yeah and ill and, and if you look at the sick leave of people are calling out sick it's not just just sick sickness itself it could be like emotional you know lots of emotional factors as i said the nurses leaving their family there they worried that somebody's husband's husband was really sick and she's so stressed she could not come to work and like i mean we you know we were always giving out oh sick leave policy we have to maintain you have to staff has to come to work but this is the emotional side of it which yeah. we are caring for people with the health mental well-being everything and we can't support our own staff yeah. with the situation it's um, and increasingly the research is showing as well that it's not just like the emotional being upset or stressed chronic stress so when you're you know ex- exposed to stress over long periods of time like housing for example mm. and you know you're stressed about the housing you're living in or the rent or you know you're so stressed you want to find somewhere that that exposure over time has not just a mental health impact but impacts your physical health definitely so- because i i i'm just saying i have a home okay i go on holidays i'll go after two days i'm i want to come back my home I want to sleep in my own bed. I'll feel so happy and 
but if you don't have a house you know to say like i i'm just i have to go home after my work to have a peaceful where i can even maybe if i want to talk to my family as we are sharing in different people there might be three four six people or maybe two or three family how can you even talk if you have an issue with something how can you even make a phone call in in conference saying that yeah where's the privacy like yeah. so it's i think it's a huge thing which something we need to do it yeah. the government have to do it there's no point of bringing nurses from another country you know it's a waste of money if you if you think in that perspective you're bringing they are they're leaving but, but but the health system is is going to start functioning yeah it will definitely because some especially the covid situation and things like that we ha- we worked in the situations maybe three or four nurses because people call out sick and you know we are under pressure they everyone is under pressure it's nobody's fault and poor the patients are get, getting suffered suffered because we can only do what we can do so it's a huge pressure and like well being for everyone the patient and the and the staff members So well, listen, thanks so much for no coming problem, on and talking yeah. and uh, we'll continue the pressure and get it solved. Perfect. Thank you, Rory. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Marie, just in terms of the motion that you're bringing to conference on specifically the motion for um affordable housing for nurses, maybe you could talk us through that. So the motion that the that the branch that we're bringing to for debate is that um we believe that the government should provide um affordable accommodation on site and um, possibly with crash facilities as well to be able to recruit and retain staffing um and it's not just like a big city problem it's like all of the towns in Ireland it used to just be the big cities Dublin and Cork that didn't have any accommodation but now it's everywhere we know that worldwide there's 6 million nurses shortage and Ireland we're not exempt from this so we're not and um, we're the island of saints and scholars we would train nurses to a really really high standard but now they're leaving they're staying with us maybe a year maybe 6 months and they're going where they can afford housing where they have better terms and conditions for work um and where it looks to be a better work work life balance which is what you kind of want at the end of the day um we don't want to be sitting for hours um in commuting to come to work every day nor do you want to be paying 3 quarters of your salary a month to be able to live near where you work so we would we would ask that government would help provide um suitable affordable accommodation on site or nearby the hospitals to be able to recruit and retain the staff that we have very good thank you marie that's a, a really i think important proposal now we have jamie murphy um we actually have jamie this time um jamie in terms of um the housing crisis and so maybe just introduce what you know the hospital that you're in what area you're working in um and then what you're seeing around housing um so my name is jamie i work in uh, chi in tala so um how the i'm going to speak about how the housing crisis is impacting me as a nurse and like looking after my patients um more more often now patients are coming into the hospital um with um they're presenting multiple times like you know i was just saying earlier on to one of the ladies like we're getting to know the parents so well now for all the wrong reasons you know we're having children coming in that are 6 months old haven't had multiple um presentations to hospital due to respiratory illnesses and you know that they're being picked up in these kind of hotels and and homeless hubs another thing that i find like really heartbreaking on admission when we're admitting the patient in um it's just become the norm now that they say they live in room 101 and the name of the hotel and you know um and then we we're also having patients that are saying that they're lucky to live in certain homeless hubs 
um, because this homeless hub is really clean or this homeless hub is, is really good. And then other ones, you're, you're hearing all these stories about these negative stories about homeless hubs. Like I had one patient, for example, that was living in a homeless hub in city centre and she had children going to school in Tala. She had four children. She was getting on the bus every morning and every evening with these kids commuting from city centre out to Tala. So, um, you know, that that's really difficult. And just on that is like, it's quite shocking when you think about it, that you're seeing as a nurse, um, you know, families and presenting and children presenting who are living in homelessness. And you're seeing that being in homelessness, as Marie was saying, directly making those children sick. Yeah, it's it, it, it's having a direct impact on their physical and psychological well-being. Like it's something that I've sat back and I've thought about. We all talk about the financial burden and the cost of housing. But what I, I don't know, I haven't researched it, but like I, I sit back and I think like what is the cost going to be to our state when these children are going to grow up and they're going to become adults? How can we expect them to develop and, you know, to become functioning um members of society when they don't have the very basic of security, like they don't have a home. And not only we can all say, oh, they don't have a home and they're homeless and, and that that's one thing. But another, what I can't imagine is what it's like for a child to go home into a house to have a parent or two parents that are stressed about housing, that are stressed about losing their house. What kind of impact is that having on on the children? Which, you know, we're seeing that as well with children coming in with psychological behavioural issues when really what it is is they need security they need a home yeah and in terms of that those specific things is there things that you're seeing in children that are being made worse by the living in homelessness living in these hubs well from from my point of view what 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 i can see is is definitely the respiratory illnesses you know they're living when they're living in such close quarters um you know viruses are, are passing you know very easily and the children are coming in with these recurrent kind of viral illnesses um you know another thing is is the teenagers um we all know how difficult it is to raise a teenager so and and to be a teenager but so you know when the parents don't have stability in themselves how can they provide stability for the teenagers therefore we're getting these teenagers in that are you know the parents don't have the time to kind of focus on what is really needed because they're fighting a fight for a home. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the teenagers and and are living in a sense of insecurity as well. And of course, that has profound impact mm-hmm. when you're, you know, when your brain is developing and, mm-hmm. you know, has major, um, the research shows that it does have major mental health impacts. And that is a big thing, isn't it, in terms of children, the impact on children, because children are growing, mm-hmm. like their bodies are growing mm-hmm. and and their brains are growing and they're developing. And so um, the impact of being homeless on a child is much, much greater than being than it on an adult. Mm. Well, when, when you look at the impact it has on a child, you're looking at the impact it has on the whole family because, you know, the child is there because of the parents. So the, the child wouldn't be experiencing this if the parents weren't. So you're talking about a whole collect, a group of people, you know, and when when our children are looking for, you know, reassurance and security and when they're looking at their parents and the parents don't have that themselves, I can't imagine what what kind of, what impact that's going to have on these kids when they, 
they're inevitably going to grow up and they're going to be teenagers, they're going to be adults. And then, and then, you know, what's, what's going to happen there? Exactly. And, and, you know, I've said before that I think there will be, um, need to be a future redress scheme for children who've been left in homelessness. And, and there's a phrase that describes it as well. It's called a structural, it's structural violence that the state by neglecting these children and families mm. is, it's a form of violence against them because mm. they are being traumatized by policy failure. Because when you look at it now, there's no reason why anyone should be homeless in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. It's just, it's it's utterly scandalous. And I don't think there's enough talking, people talking about the impact on children of being in homelessness. Do you think that, that within the media, within society, within politics, it's almost like they say, you know, there's almost, you know, 4,000 children now who are homeless. But I was actually looking through the numbers um, and that 4,000 children who are in emergency accommodation now, that's a different 4,000 than two years ago. Mm. That there's this, you know, that, that that we're seeing, I was looking at it for last year, I think it was in the region of 2,500 families lost their home. Um, and so you're talking about 5,000 children so would have gone through the process and about two thirds of those went into emergency accommodation and then they're spending maybe six months, a year, you know, two years there. And then there's this new, so we've had tens of thousands of children go through emergency accommodation in homelessness, gone through this experience in the last um, kind of six to eight years of this new crisis. But do you think that there's enough focus on the impact on children? No, I don't think there's enough focus and I don't think there's enough being spoken about the um you know, we're, we all talk about the, the well-being and our mental health. But, you know, I think we need to think of the amount of traumatic incidents that a homeless child is witnessing or is being a part of. How many of those, tra- they say, I, I don't know the statistics, but if you have one or two traumatic incidents in your life, you do... You, yeah, it, it's the adverse childhood experience, yeah. the ACEs, that you, um, different forms of trauma and, and the exposure to chronic, what's mm. called chronic stress, has a major impact. And mm. homelessness is mm. one of the... Um, one of the ACEs, it's one of the adverse childhood mm. experiences that can leave a long-term mm. impact on mm. the child that affects their mental health when they grow up, their um, development, those things we talked about. Mm. I think also, you know, in Ireland, we, you know, we hold in high regard to the family unit and parenting and how we parent our children. But I don't know how these um, parents are parenting their children in these homeless hubs with, you know, direct influence from people that maybe they wouldn't generally have their children around. And now they're living in the same circumstances. They're living, you know, in close quarters with people that they, you know, typically wouldn't want their teenage child around or their newborn child or, you know, their school going you know, starting primary school and they're walking out through, a, you know, hotel lobby to go for their first day of school. I, I just, I can't imagine what impact that's having. Yeah, and it is, it is also, that was the research we did with homeless families found that, that the parenting, the parents said it was like their parenting was being monitored because mm-hmm. they're in this, you know, multi, um, the situation congregated setting like it, it's almost you know it's, it's almost like been back to the the Magdalene laundries to a certain extent like mm-hmm. it is we're you know leaving many you know lone parent mothers 
um, with children and, you know, also, you know, it's it's families who are on lower incomes who are struggling, but also across the across different groups, migrants. Um, but they have been left in these situations where they're trying, as you say, to parent in a situation where, for example, there and I remember some of the, the, the mothers telling me that, you know, I can't go to the toilet at night because my child is in the bedroom and I can't leave the bedroom because that's our room. So I actually can't go to the toilet during the night um, because they're in a room, which is the two beds, the bunk beds. Um, they can't, for example, leave their children wander the corridors as a child does in their home because the uh, service provider says, oh, you're leaving your child alone. And they might, you know, you know, that's against understandably um, mm-hmm. child protection. But that is right. You can't parent no. in these situations. Mm. Um in terms of wider housing issues, then, do you see, have you seen in terms of your experience or, you know, as nurses, how they're experiencing it? What, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, just, I have colleagues, obviously, as well, that are experiencing this housing crisis. Um, I have, I have a colleague, for example, um, I spoke to her, you know, a couple of weeks ago and 85% of her pay went on, um, went on rent like 85%. 85% yeah of her pay went on went on rent um she was working overtime she and the the issue only came up because i said you know oh you're 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 doing a lot of overtime and then she said to me i have to and this is the reason why so um you know it's 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 across the board as as somebody mentioned to me it's um it's not just affecting one sector of of the of the public now where everybody is affected by the housing crisis and do you see then younger nurses who are um graduating from our universities who have been trained and are they leaving are they emigrating because that's what we hear that they are emigrating in ever greater numbers and that at a time when our health system needs our nurses who are being mm. um you know trained here mm. who that they are leaving, they're emigrating. And are you seeing that? Are you hearing that? Yeah. Um, like, you know, it's it's one of uh, saying what I say to everybody is um being a nurse is, you know, one of the hardest parts of being a nurse is um being happy to say goodbye to your friends because we're constantly every, you know, couple of months you're having friends leaving and going to either the UK or Australia. Um you know, so they're they're most definitely. I I would say a minimum of fifty percent of you know all classes that graduate, like go abroad or have gone already. You know, yeah, yeah. it's a disgrace. It really is like that. We can't nurses being trained and, and here can't find a home. I can't get a home and aren't been provided a home. Is, yeah, is a basic yeah um, human right. It really is. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rory. Can I just ask you one question? So just, yeah, no, no, no. No, firstly, I would like to say thank you much. Thank you for your research and, you know, everything, the work that you're doing in this um, area and you're very passionate and I could really, um, I could really feel that today on your, on your speech. So, so that's great. But so in relation to housing, what I want to ask you is what can I do? What can I do today? What is the most productive action that I can take other than speak about it what can I do that's a very good question and um, you put me on the spot now I think that there's many things we can do and um, I think it is important that you are speaking about it here and I think that mm-hmm. the more um, nurses speak as a union and uh, in voices and go into the media I think mm-hmm. is a really important space and talk about this housing crisis and 
how it's impacting and, and not accepting it and saying this mm. is not okay. And and I think it's really um, impressive as well that you talk about not just as nurses, the impact, but the impact on, on your patients and those who are being made homeless, I think um, is really important. And I think that talking to people around you, and I think that we need to talk to those around us in, in our society and our friends and our neighbours and our families and say, look, the housing crisis is not okay. We need a major change. Um, and that is a big part of it, because when you look back at repeal or marriage equality, it was those conversations that people had really changed things, because there is, I think, still a certain amount of people who think that the housing situation is the cause of, um, or the housing situation is like, it's, you know, it's young people who aren't saving enough. And it's, um, you know, that uh, we don't, the, the crisis is not, and the state shouldn't be providing housing. And that really, you know, if you have money, you can save and you'll buy your own home. And that's the way it should be. And I think we need to change the values and see that actually, government and state and we should be providing a much bigger role of social and affordable housing and that that's that is a human right so i think mm -hmm. having that conversation the other thing i think is the campaigns there's lots of campaigns ongoing mm -hmm. like raise the roof mm -hmm. um the raise which is the trade union campaign um which is promoting and and supported by other civil society organizations they'll be having local protests local meetings i think wherever people are to get involved with those mm. there's um different groups like the uplift campaign which is um holding and, and highlighting around the eviction ban and getting the eviction ban overturned and they're doing things and i think there's a lot of ways people can be active um, in the housing campaign, this growing kind of movement around it. So I would encourage people and you to be active in that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Does that answer the question? It does. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Cool. So that was um, the nurses there talking about the different experiences of housing and health. And there's so much in that um, around home, around housing's impact on health. Um, so I hope you found that, I'm sure you did, found that very uh, engaging and informative. And as we always, we ask if you can become a patron, go over to uh, tortoiseshack.com um, and go over to patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack, even better, to become a patron. Help us to keep producing the podcasts, independent media. We are that, um, produced by Tony Groves. Shout out to Tony. Thanks, Tony. Uh, we love you, as always, and forever. And thank you so much for all the work you do. And um, sorry for messing you up this week. But um, yeah, so apologies on that one. And as always, listeners, please share it around if you can. All right. Talk to you all very, very soon. <laughs>